I was flying to, from San Antonio to Springfield, Missouri to teach a class. It's a class that I had prepared for for months. I had students that were flying in, some from around the world, one from Australia, one from Asia, and then others around the United States were driving in for this one week of intensive training. And I, I was looking forward to it. It was going to be transformational time. And I went to the San Antonio airport, got on the plane, fixing to take off. The plane taxied out on the runway. The plane starts to move down the runway. You know, you can feel that gentle sense of the pressure. You're going back in your seat as it is taking off. Any moment, you're going to be airborne. Then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, there, there was a dramatic stop. The air brakes went on. I think the captain dropped the anchor and the plane came to an abrupt stop. And all of us passengers, we kind of leaned forward from the abrupt stop and came back in our seats. And you could see the confusion and befuddled look on every passenger's face. The plane was at a complete stop. The captain came on and said, we had to abort our, our takeoff. There was another plane on the runway. Now, that'll kind of make you a little nervous, huh? Okay. Uh, just, to, just to hear that. So the captain taxied the plane off to the side. He said, we have, to, uh, we have to get clearance, and then we have to put in a new flight plan because of our delay. Well, we were about an hour late taking off. I was watching uh, the clock just attentive because I had a short window in Dallas to catch my flight into Springfield. Again, I, I had a destination to be at, People were flying in from around the world and around the United States for, to teach this class, and I needed to be there in order to do that. Well, uh, the plan, the plane landed in Dallas. I had a short window. The moment I deplane, I'm kind of running, racing through the airport, getting down to the place in the terminal. By the way, does it bother you that you take off from a place that's called terminal? I don't know about you. That kind of I, I, I wish they could have it, a, 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 another word other than terminal. That just, <laughs> that's kind of ominous sounding. I went down to the gate, and as I came up to the gate, and I had my boarding pass in hand, and I gave it to the lady. She said, I'm sorry. Everyone is on board. We gave your seat to a standby passenger. The gate is closed. You can't get on the plane. I missed my flight. I didn't know what to do. She said, we'll, the, ho the airline will put you in a hotel. Well, I didn't have any clothes. I didn't have anything. So they graciously put me in a hotel, and I bought a little toiletry bag, bag to get through the night. I said, when can I fly? I got up early in the morning, three-something in the morning. I took a shuttle to the airport. I took the first flight out, six-something in the morning, to get to Springfield, rented a car, raced over there to the school to begin the class, and I began the class on time. You see, all through this, I was fighting for my destination. I had an assignment. I had an appointment. I had a destination. And all through this, with every delay and every setback, I was fighting to, to obtain my destination. Every one of us, God has a destination for you. Every one, young adult, you have a destination. Parents, you have a destination. Men, you have a destination. There is something God wants you to become. There's something God wants to do in your life. There is a making great moment that God has for every one of us. But I had an interruption that came. 
And I had to fight through that interruption. Right now in America, we've had an interruption, COVID-19. COVID-19 has just kind of stepped in the way and it has set aside plans. There's young adults that were, that, that were in their uh, education process that the plans have changed. There, the, the, there were classes that were not uh, on campus and had to move off campus and the schedule. Families that have had to reorganize how they do family life right now. Kids online and, and, and parents having to be there to help them and, and job officing at home and, and some there's been a downside. There's an interruption that has come into our life and it's, it's challenging. It's standing in the way of your destination. Church online, church online. Uh, I, I, I want to speak to you for just a moment. Many of you, two months ago, you said you were going to be back in church, but you've got in the habit of just staying at home. And you, you, you go get your nails done, you get your hair done, you go to class, you go to work, you go to HEB, you go to the gym, but you're not in church. If you have to wear 15 masks, it's time to get back in church. It's time to set that priority. It's time to decide that I'm going to push back against the forces pushing against me. May I say your destination will always be discovered at the corner of problem and providence. But we come to the cross section of problem. We say, oh, I can't move on. But at the crossroads of problem and providence, God does something. Right now is a crucial time. Don't lose your destination. Some of us, we were raised in a family where there is a there is a lineage of divorces. Divorce goes back generation after generation after generation. And that's not what God has for you. God instead intends for you to be the family that will break the generational curse of divorce. Many of us were raised in families that where there were conflict and debate and, and, and it, was, it was not a harmonious home. But God instead plans for you to have a strong, harmonious family. Some of you, you're the first one in your family lineage to ever graduate from college. And God intends instead for you to, for, for you to move forward and set a new standard and, 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 and excellence and, and, and influence for your, for your family, your kids, and your grandkids. Men. Many of us were not raised in a home in which there was a, a spiritual voice from a father, a male influence, mentoring us, praying over us, reading the Bible to us. And God, God intends that you be the one to set that for your family. But many of us feel spiritually influent. We don't feel capable of, of doing that. Many of us, God called us to be a worshiper. God has put, us, put that passion in our heart. But our worship is in lockdown right now because we have chosen to, to stay at home. And, and, and while we do everything else in life, we said, the one thing I can't do one hour of work, one hour a week is come to church and be in the presence of God. And church online, 
Some of us have not been in the presence of God in six months and your kids have not been in the presence of God in six months and I called you back to the presence of God. You see, for every one of us, every one of us, God has an instead life. This was the history and this, you should have been a statistic, you should have followed this pathway that you should have got divorced. Your, your family should have fallen apart. You should have never graduated with your master's degree. But God had an instead moment for you. And I don't want you to lose your instead moment. God doesn't intend that we go through our life and we just see him work once or twice. Yes, and many of us, we in our, in our whole spiritual experience, just kind of once or twice in the last decade or so, we've seen God move in a dramatic way, and that's, that's not what God intends. God intends something more and something better. Don't miss your instead moment. Just a few days ago, I flew to Springfield, Missouri to teach a class. I went one day early. I had a brother that lives about 100 miles away. So I went to see my younger brother. I haven't seen him for some time. I didn't even know exactly where he was at. And I, I found him that day. I wanted to go check on him, see how he's doing. I knocked on the front door and I heard a moan. And I stepped back and he rolls out of the window on the side of the house, not the front door. He stands up without any shirt on, donning all of his prison tattoos. I said, how are you doing? He said, oh, I haven't been feeling well. So he got a broken down lawn chair in the front lawn and I, I retrieved a bucket and we were about 10 feet apart and I just began to visit. And I noticed he was, he was moaning all the time. And I asked my brother, what's wrong? He said, well, my son's here and we got in a fist fight the other day. And he knocked me down and stopped me and kicked me in the side in my ribs. I don't know if I'd broken a rib or what. I said, what? He said, yeah, just, we, 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 had a, we had a fight the other day. I said, do you have anything to eat? He said, no. So I went down to a chicken place and I got the largest chicken meal I could uh, get. And I brought it back to him living in a house without electricity, with, with, without, without water. And I, I brought him bottled water, brought him supplies, brought him groceries. I, I gave him some money. And, and I said, where's your son out? I went to check on his son. And there was an abandoned house. And I called him. And I heard a voice on the inside. But it wasn't his voice. And I wasn't going to step in this abandoned house if I, don't, if I didn't know who was on the inside. I never got a chance to see him. Can I tell you, my brother, he has four kids. He has grandkids he's never seen. Has kids he hasn't seen in a, in a decade. What did God plan? God intended for him to enjoy his family. God intended for him to bounce grandkids on his knees. God intended for him to take grandkids down to the park and speak into their life. But there was a moment he missed his instead moment. He went a different way. He made a decision. Don't miss your instead moment. Don't miss your instead moment. I've noticed distractions today become our excuses tomorrow. Church Online, our distractions today 
become our excuses tomorrow. My flight was late. I could, have, I could have called and said, you know what? I can't be there. I'll be a day late. I'll be a two days late. I won't be able to teach that. You know what? It was not my fault. It was a, a plain delay. I could have used the distraction as an excuse. But I fought for my destination. I fought to get there. I, I did everything I could do to be there on time. And I made it on time. And I discovered that today's distractions become tomorrow's excuses. Yes, there'll be families that are going to say, well, it was COVID. That's the distraction today. But they're going to stay out of church so long and disconnected so long from life group that they're going to lose their appetite for, for spiritual things. And two years from now, they're not even going to be in church. They became distracted and they say, well, well, you know what? It was during that time. The church didn't just care for me enough. They didn't call me enough. They didn't invite me enough. They, they, they didn't go out of their way enough. And, and, and because of that, I'm not, I'm not going to go. I'm not ever going to go back to church again. They're teenagers. Their teenagers are going to stay out of church so long that in, that in a year and a half or two years, they're going to ask them, say, do you want to go back to church? And the teenagers say, no. Why? They don't have a friend in the world in church. They've stayed out of church so long. And then that teenager is going to go into young adulthood. And that young adult is going to meet someone and is going to marry someone that doesn't have their faith value. And that young adult is going to stumble through two decades of spiritual conflict in a marriage that they are unequally yoked. Why? Because the, excuse, the distraction in one day became the excuse in another day. It's already the reason why some people don't tie. It tithe. It's already the reason why some people have got other life group, why some people are not volunteering. Our, our, our distraction today has become our excuse. Millennial generation, young adults, they're telling us you're the first generation that you're going to grow up and your expectation of life is lower than the generation before you. You expect to earn less, to own less. You're downsizing all of your goals and all of your dreams. You have a mounting college debt. And you, 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 your expectations of life are, are lower than any other generation. You've already, in your short lifespan, have experienced your second economic recession. I'm here to awaken I'm here to say this is not in control. The, the economy, COVID is not in control of the purpose of God in your life. God has an instead moment. God wants us to rise above. God doesn't want us to be in control by the things around us. Rise above all of the distractions. Don't miss your instead moment. I want to bring it down to this challenge as I segue, I want to plant this in your heart that kindness will always win. We are in the, in the gospel of Matthew chapter 5 in what's called the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes are actually set in the first sermon we have of Jesus recorded in the gospels. It's endearingly called the Sermon on the Mount. It's referred as the Sermon on the Mount. It's because he gave it on the Mount of Beatitudes. They actually named the mountain after the sermon 
that Jesus gave. For those who have been with us to the Holy Land, as I'm recounting this, you have the image of us going up on the mountain of Beatitude. And I always take people in our Israel tour to that moment, and I read the Beatitudes in the place that Jesus gave them. The Sermon on the Mount has rightly been called the Constitution of the Kingdom of God. The Constitution of the Kingdom of God. Our own United States Constitution begins with this, we the people. Would you allow me to insert that as we just, as we review a few verses? We the people who are poor in spirit will inherit the kingdom of God. We the people who mourn will be comforted. We the people who are meek will inherit the earth. We the people who hunger and thirst after righteousness, the Bible says we will be filled. But I want to take you down to verse number 7. This is the beatitude I want to share with you today. And what's interesting about this beatitude, every other beatitude, Jesus will give a declaration and the antithesis of that. Those who, those who mourn will be comforted. The antithesis, the opposite of, of mourning is comfort. The antithesis of, of those who are poor in spirit, they get the kingdom of heaven. They get more. And Jesus contrasts with, with one, with one ideal with a higher ideal. But in verse number 7, Jesus breaks the cadence. And he's going to say, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. They get exactly what they show. Blessed are the merciful. They don't get the antithesis of that. They get the very thing they do in greater abundance. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. What is God saying? God is saying he's willing to deliver a personal miracle if we're willing to be the channel for God to use. God is willing to do a personal miracle if you're willing to deliver one. God is willing to do something in your life. But God is saying, I will do for you if you will first do in the kingdom. If you will be merciful, God says, I will add to that. And we could use as a synonym, kindness for merciful, generosity, commitment. God's saying, if you will step forward, and not be distracted, if you will fight for the destination, if you say, I'm going to be this in spite of circumstances, God says, I will give it to you in a greater number. You see, Jesus, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, he uncovers and, and reveals to us something that chemistry only discovered in the 18th century. And it's called the law of portion. The law of portion. They discovered it in chemistry in the 18th century. And the law of portion says this, that the right this creates a new that. A right this creates a new that. What am I talking about? 
Water, for example. Two parts hydrogen, one part oxygen creates what? Water. Water can then create either steam or ice. But it all traces back to the right this. Two parts hydrogen, one part oxygen. Now, if you have one part hydrogen, two parts oxygen, or one part oxygen, if you change the formula, if you change the portion, you change the outcome. You won't get water, and you can't get ice, and you can't get steam. But if you will have in the right portion this, you will create a new that. If you have H2O, two parts hydrogen, one part oxygen, you'll get water. Multiply it, do it even more, you'll get a lake. Do it even more, billions of times, and you'll get an ocean. You keep doing this formula in the right portion, then it will multiply on this end. And here Jesus comes in reinforcing the the law of portion, and he is saying, if you will do this, I will do that. If you will step forward in this portion, God says, I will multiply it in this portion in your life. And Jesus is teaching us here, and I want to share with you today this point. You can't do everything, but you can do something. If I could deposit something in your spirit today, there it is. Jesus is saying, blessed are the merciful. You can't do everything. I I can't cure everything. I I, I can't cure all the injustice in America. No, I can't. I can't can't stem all the races. I I can't stem all the hate speech. I, I, I can't stem all of it. But there's something I can do. And if I will do mine, God says, He will multiply what I do and he'll make it even larger and bigger and greater. If I will show a kindness here, oh, I can't can't feed all the world, I can't solve all the world's problems, but God says do what you can. And God says he will do for us and through us what we can't. We can't do everything, but we can do something. If we're willing, if we're willing for God to do a miracle, he'll bring it if we're willing to deliver it. There's something we can do. We're gonna close in just a moment with our one day to feed the world offering. And right now in COVID, and I know our time and our tension and our focus has been on us. We, we can't get everything we want in the time frame. And the, my favorite restaurant, I can't go in and sit down right now. My lifestyle is, is adjusted by this, and I can't do it. i got to wear a mask. I, uh, I, 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 can't, I, I can't have all the liberties and free. We're kind of in this, in this distracting moment right now. It's very easy for us to turn inside and focus on us. But today, but today, could we look out and be willing? We can't do everything, but... Jesus is saying we can do something. And if we will show unusual kindness, God says that favor will come back. Many of us are in need of of God's favor right now. Some of you are praying about something. You're saying, God, I need you to change and I need your favor. You want God's favor then? 
extend God's kindness now. Blessed are those who are merciful. Guess what? They will obtain mercy. Can't do everything, but I can do something. I was in Springfield here, I told you the other day. One of the students in my class was a pastor. He's from a rural community. He said to me, Pastor Jim, let me tell you about the community I pastor. He said, you can't even get cell phone service at my house. I have, he said, I have no cell phone service at my house. He said, during the, during the pandemic, he said, we could not put our services online. He said, our community does not have internet. We have no internet. No one in the small village, the small community has internet. We just can't get internet. So he said, we, we weren't able to do church online. We weren't able to, that. he began to list the challenges. He says, my, my church is, is 50. He said, a, a big Sunday for us would be 60, maybe 70. But he said, right now, during, during COVID, we're running about 30 people. 30 people are coming to our church right now. And, and we just began the conversation. And he, he began to tell me a story. He said, you know what? The one thing my wife and I have wanted, we prayed about it and asked God to give us, and that was a baby. He said, we tried, and he said, he said it just hasn't happened to us. And, and he said, finally, my wife and I, we became expectant. He said, we kind of held the information back. We wanted to get past that first trimester to make sure everything was good before we shared the news. We didn't want to make it public, and, and then something disappointing happened. But he said, you know what, now we're there. And he said, we are thrilled we're going to have our first baby. I said, well, congratulations. He said, do you know, Pastor Jim? He said, Friday, the class ends on Friday. My wife is coming to Springfield, Missouri. And he said, we're just going to take a week. And he said, do you know in our town, there's not one place to eat. We don't have a restaurant. We don't have a cafe. There is." He said, we have to drive 50 miles to go to a McDonald's. Can you imagine that? You have to go 50 miles to get a DQ. 50 miles to go get a cup of coffee. 50 miles. Just, he said, they, they have no, there's no place to go. He said, we, we just don't, we don't have that luxury. He said, and my wife is coming in. He said, we want to go down to Freddy's and we want to get an ice cream. And he began to list places and they're just kind of fast food places. You know what I'm talking about? Just kind of. But for him, if you don't have anything, these fast food places and they're kind of spreading their, their budget out to have two or three days there in Springfield. And he said that they're just going to enjoy going out and, 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 and getting some barbecue and getting this. I said, she's coming in Friday. Yes. He said, I said, you're, you're expecting your first baby? Oh, yes. So I reached in my wallet and I said, here, I want to give you $100. And I want you to take your sweet little wife out to a place that you guys would not have gone otherwise. I want you to pick a very special place that would be a treat for both of you. And you, you guys go. And you enjoy, and I want you to have that meal, and I just want you to talk about the wonderful joy of what it's going to be like when, when you're a parent. And, and his eyes were in tears. He said, this is going to mean so much to my wife. Oh, I couldn't do everything. But you know what? I could do something. 
I could do something. I could create a special moment for them. And that's what I invite you to do. In one day to feed the world, let's do something. I'd like to draw your attention to this video as it tells about what Convoy is doing through one day. In Psalms 113.7, God says he lifts the poor from the dust and the needy from the garbage pile. That's what the scripture says. All that the children know here is garbage. Almost everyone in this community works in the trash dump, including the kids. It's like a time machine. They walk in and become adults. They get hurt a lot by knives, mirrors, and aluminum. Malnutrition and violence are the norm there, and most kids have never gone to school before. Four years ago, I helped start this school right across from the Citadel. This is the front line of the battle. Until 2018, we didn't have any food at school. We started with zero. We even had a child passed out in class because she hadn't had anything to eat in more than 24 hours. It was very hard for us because kids were always hungry. I went looking for someone who could help, and I found Convoy of Hope. Now, we feed the kids every day. Because they had eaten, they're coming alive and learning more. For them to know that food is here, it gives them a sense of security that they lack in the rest of their life. Every child here is a treasure. Because of the food that Convoy gives, combined with the education we're providing, the kids can keep dreaming. And if we just give them one chance, we can prove that they are valuable and that they could do something rather than just stay in poverty. God is doing something great here, and His promises are coming true. Through your generosity this year, it's our desire to continue to reach out and feed the poor around the world. Nothing is closer to the heart of Jesus than feeding the poor and taking care of them. And through Convoy of Hope and their one day to feed the world, we have the opportunity to reach into third world countries where there's no social network to help these kids. These kids that would be thrown away, if you please, the, the forgotten of the world that God has not forgotten. We can make a difference. The challenge of one day is to work one day to feed the world. Of the 250, 60 days a year, we might work is to take one day's wage and give it to feed the poor. I'm not going to tell you what to do. I just say whatever you do, whatever God puts on your heart, that will be enough. But I'm going to invite you to partner with this right now. Denise and I have picked up the one day to feed the world for several years, and many of you have. But everything designated to our kingdom builders this weekend is for one day to feed the world. Convoy of Hope says that $10 a month, $120 a year can feed one child. $10 a month or $120 will feed that child for an entire year. They have great partnerships with corporations and are able to get food items at at a tremendous discount and they have just leveraged their influence in such a way 
that what you give actually multiplies many times over and the $10 a month can feed a child for a month. So I'm going to invite you. We can't do everything, but we can do something. Convoy of Hope is now feeding over 200,000 children a day worldwide. And this year, because of your generosity last year, we're feeding 1,100 children every day in third world countries. And I'm going to invite church online and those of us that are in the room to partner together. We invite you to give to our kingdom builders. If you're giving check or cash, you can place it in a contribution envelope. And after we pray and when we dismiss, you can put it in the drop boxes in the back or online, kingdom builders, or text to give, kingdom. Just one word if you're giving by text, kingdom. That's why I gave mine this morning. I just put kingdom and my offering and sent my offering in through text to give. But whatever God would put on your heart, this is our day. And with all the inconveniences we have, can I tell you, we still live in abundance. You have everything you need today. About everything you need, you can find. It's convenient. Not only can you find it, you can get it in several flavors, several sizes, several brands. It just, we have so much available to us. This is a, this is an offering of thanksgiving and gratitude for God's faithfulness in our life. And I'm going to invite you to pray together with me now as we give and this one day to feed the world. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the response and the generosity of Westover through the years. This year we face a unique challenge. And Father, we, we have been focused and kind of self-absorbed in America on ourselves. But this is one day to sow in and expect the favor of God. That through our giving today, we can take our eyes off of ourselves and we can do something significant for the poor. Nothing is closer to the heart of God than the needy and the poor. And this is our moment, God, for Westover to step up and stand in the gap. And this year, no doubt, there are going to be fewer people giving because of the season we're in where if we've got fewer people in church and fewer people online than ever before. And I just pray, God, those that do give will just give generously to make up the difference. And I thank you for your goodness. And I pray your blessings upon your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.